0: The Blast From Our Past Network. Hello and welcome to The Blast From Our Past Podcast. We're the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and more. All from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm John. And I'm Adam. And today we have another album review for you. We're going to be reviewing the 1986 album Graceland by Paul Simon. This album is a monster. Uh, I don't know that many people who've never heard of this album. Yeah, when we first talked about doing nostalgic albums
1: long, long time ago, it feels like at least a year ago whenever it was we started doing these, (laughs) Paul Simon Graceland has always been near the top of my list when it comes to nostalgic albums.
0: Yeah. I believe our mother had it probably
1: had it. This this is one of the only albums that I remember, and specifically I remember listening to it on every platform. Like we we had to own it <laughs> in everything. Yeah. We had it on a on an LP. We had it on tape and we had it on CD. Like whenever technology moved to the next level of audio we Mm -hmm. graceland was one of the albums we had to have
0: yeah it's 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 one of those um iconic albums that you always kind of have to have Mm -hmm. um i i know that there's there's always sort of like a stones versus Beatles, but always people kind of jokingly say like oh the you know the white album is one you always have to get Mm -hmm. no matter what the medium is and this this definitely falls into that category
1: yeah Absolutely. I mean we grew up listening to this one so often. You know, we've talked about it multiple times with our um with our album reviews, but to me this was definitely an album that our mother introduced us to. Um mm-hmm. you know, she had all those versions. She loved it. She she played this one pretty darn often. You know, it, it was not to say on constant loop because she introduced us to a lot of different stuff, but yeah. Paul Simon Graceland absolutely one that I attribute to our
0: mother kind of, you know,
1: getting us into.
0: Yeah, and this is definitely an album that has never left my rotation of albums. (laughs) I'm the exact same way. Uh, I mean, I'll get into a kick and just be like, you know what, I'm going to listen to Graceland because I know that I can get all the way through it without having to stop for anything.
1: And I was going to say, it's that exact same kind of kick. I get that one too. I listen to it and I don't skip. I'm not going to, oh, I need a Paul Simon kick where I'm just going to listen to like a best of Paul Simon mix or something like, no, no, no. I turn on Graceland and I don't stop until Graceland's done because it's one that
0: you can and you should listen all the way through. Uh, so the there's uh, I mean there's a lot to this album. There's a lot of good, and I hate to say it, there's going to be a little bit of bad. Mm. Um, but it was recorded in different locations um, in New York City, a little bit in London, uh, a little bit in L.A., a little bit in Louisiana, and famously in South Africa during the apartheid era. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of controversy with that.
1: Yeah, I had no idea that there was controversy towards it until I actually read some of the Wikipedia page, and I was just like, "I, I get it, I get the controversy." But at the same time, I'm just like, "Oh, I did, I had no idea." I was like, "Damn!" I mean, because I think Paul T- Paul Simon's intentions,
0: you know, were always good with this album. Yeah. I, I do too, and 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 I um. I actually watched the uh, documentary Under African Skies Hmm. this morning in preparation for this. Oh, wow. um, To kind of familiarize myself. And uh, I think a lot of it was at the time there was sort of a a cultural ban on all things South African because they didn't... It was because of apartheid and there was a whole bunch of different things that were going on. Um, And I think uh, Paul Simon's intentions were true. Uh, he famously talked to Harry Belafonte before going down there and being like, "Hey, I want to go do this. What should I do?" Harry Belafonte's advice was contact the leaders of the anti-apartheid movement, tell them you want to come down there, and you know, go through proper channels. But Paul Simon's reaction was essentially, "Art really shouldn't have anything to do with any kind of government, even mm-hmm. if it's like the you know an anti-government." government essentially yeah and so he was like I shouldn't have to do that this is art not politics yeah. and so he just went and did it um, on the one hand I understand the the you know Her- Harry Belafonte's uh, advice of you know play the political game to just you know play do it to the proper town so the no, no problem on the other hand I also understand Paul Simon's like it's art that really doesn't shouldn't have anything to do with it yeah so basically Harry Belafonte was telling him you know oh hey even if
1: daylight comes, you know, y- y- you got to go home. You want to go home? Right? hey <laughs> Ha-ha? Yeah. yeah. Day-o. you say day?
0: <laughs> moving on. <laughs> yeah, moving on. Uh, that was Harry right, Belafonte, uh, did... right? Yes, that was by Harry Belafonte. Okay, good. Well, at least got the yes. reference kind of right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, it was put out by Warner Brothers. Something that Warner Brothers did actually played into one of – Probably his best songs on the album, and I'll talk about that. There was some stuff I was going to talk about at the top, but I think I'll wait and talk mm. about it as we go to each song. The one other thing I will say uh, is this. Largely, okay, so Paul uh, Paul Simon did produce it, but it was engineered by Roy Haley, I'm, mm-hmm. or Haley or Halley, It's H-A-L-E-E, so I think it's Haley, um, who's been an engineer with Paul Simon since his Simon & Garfunkel days. Okay. This album really should be titled Paul Simon and Roy Haley because ah. Roy Haley played a huge role in this. For the most part, no songs were written while they were recording. What Paul Simon did is he went to these places and got musicians and just said, let's jam. <laughs> and they just jammed for a long, for several days. Then later, Roy Haley and Paul Simon went back and edited songs together oh. from what they heard and then Paul Simon wrote his lyrics on top of that. So huh. none of the none of the musicians who were really recording the stuff with a couple of exceptions um n- knew what song was going to come out of this. Hmm. It very... was largely a jam yeah. session and then they edited everything else later. Very interesting way to do it. Yes. I mean that, I mean
1: yeah, that's kind of different but you get so many kind of different and like eclectic and kind of other kind of sounds with this one. I kind of like that they did a different method of song creation even.
0: So he, he, uh, I mean, and in the documentary, Paul Simon really credited uh, Roy Haley with being like, he was the one who like ran all these sounds through what he called his other machines, like through his processors and all mm-hmm. that stuff to kind of change up some of the sounds and who knows what they all sounded like beforehand. But I mean, there's no denying what came out was amazing Mm -hmm. absolutely um the personnel list on this album is extensive it's hugely extensive because he worked with so many different artists in different locations uh different bands um he uh famously worked with um los lobos um, he worked with a couple of uh, – two or three different South African bands while he was recording down there. He worked with a, a band um, called – sorry, it's kind of a, a Zydeco band called Good Rock and Doopsy and the Twisters um, <laughs> on, a, on, on one track that we'll talk about later. Um, Linda Ronstadt does vocals on one of the tunes. The Everly Brothers do vocals on one huh. of the tunes. There's a lot – I mean – the, the literally the the list of people who did anything on this album is extremely ex- extensive so I'm not really gonna bother going through all of that stuff the only one I kind of want to call out and and you know you,
1: you mentioned some of the South African groups um, I think probably most famously ladysmith Ladysmith black Mombazo was kind of the one yes. that kind of came out um from this one and came became fairly popular
0: after this yeah. I I had, I was going to wait till then but it's, okay. it's quite a, no it's quite all right to talk about it now cuz they did this really kind of launched their career in the states and in sort mm-hmm. of western music. Yeah. yeah. Cuz they were already fairly well known. Um but the from here on out like I think they really got big. Mm, yeah, in I the agree. US. All right, was there anything else you wanted to add before we jump in?
1: Um I can't remember if you mentioned this was uh Paul Simon's 7th solo album. Okay. No so, I hadn't yet. So he had a couple ahead. uh he had a couple hits, you know, some earlier stuff of his solo stuff, things that like I think had Kodachrome and things like that. And then right. he had a couple ones that weren't as popular. And then Graceland came and it was, it ended up being his most successful solo album um, to date and its highest mm-hmm. charting album, you know, in over a decade. Uh, it's estimated to have sold over 16 million copies. I mean, hell, we keep buying it. <laughs> it's that good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and then I, I saw one quote from Simon, Paul Simon, that I thought was really cool um he said about this album the baseline is what the album is all about it's the essence of everything that happened and i saw that i read that before i kind of re-listened to it and then when i re-listened to it i'm just like oh that makes so much sense there is so much kind of that that the baseline does move in this song in
0: these songs that i thought that worked really well yeah i mean like there's a lot going on Mm -hmm. it's very cool as far as like hits go uh, Simon attributed the fact that this album he was able to do what he did with this album because his previous album Hearts and Bones was basically a flop. Okay. Yeah. Because he, he was so used to like studio executives like hanging over him like okay what's going to be the hit from this album you know what's on? and then Hearts and Bones comes out and it flops and so they largely just sort of let him be mm-hmm. and so that's the only reason he was able to do things like go down to South Africa and do stuff um, in order to make this album. I don't think we would have had it if the, his previous album had been a yeah. hit of any kind. Nice. Well, I'm glad it worked out that way. So, okay. So we're going to start off with a song entitled The Boy in the Bubble.
2: It was a slow day and the sun was beating on the soldiers by the side of the road. There was a bright light, a shattering of shop windows. The bomb in the baby carriage was wired to the radio. These are the days of miracle and wonder This is the long distance call The way the camera follows us in slow-mo The way we look to a song The way we look to a distant constellation That's dying in a corner of the sky These are the days of miracle
0: When this album first came out, and unfortunately this is not going to be the first time I say this, I can't remember which ones were and weren't, but uh, there were a lot of songs that Simon took credit for writing when he only co-wrote some things, Uh. Um, and that's kind of been changed now. Um, You can tell, like, uh, if you download the latest digital version, it'll tell you, it'll say the name of the song with this other band because he had employed these bands um so he had this uh, accordion player and i'm going to butcher this name i apologize ahead of time um it's uh, his name is ferrari matlohaloa and i have no idea if i said that right he is a south african accordion player and that's essentially that the me- the accordion melody you hear bump mm-hmm. bump 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 bum, 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 is a song of his. Ah. That was a traditional song that he kind of wrote an accordion part for and they were jamming and he heard it and liked it and he basically just kind of wrote lyrics on top of that. Okay. And I f- I really I I hate that I'm going to say this but that happens a lot in this mm. album. A lot. Okay. So yeah, so
1: when this originally came out, Paul Simon was like, oh, this is all me, and he didn't give that guy the credit deserved.
0: Yeah, uh, there were a couple places. Now, he's gone back and re-given credit to a, to some of the stuff, um, but there's actually two cases where um, the, he did not give credit to uh, people who co-wrote with them, and I'll talk about that when we get to them. Okay, But I will say this, for the longest time, this was one of my top two songs mm. on this album. Okay. I, I love the way it moves. I love the sort of simple shuffle groove that it has. I love the big monster sound the drums have, and it's mostly just sort of them applying like reverb and stuff mm-hmm. extra to the drums. But I, I just love the just boom mm-hmm. sound you get from the toms when he's playing them. And it's just, I don't know, there was something about this song that just spoke to me.
1: Yeah, it's a great song. Uh, you know, when you kind of get when I get into it, um, immediately I would say from the first point to where Paul Simon starts singing, I just I get thrown back listening to this album. You know, I, I mean, I love like the accordion and the drums the, the earlier part, mm-hmm. but once he kind of gets it moving, you know, into a into its song part portion. Uh, well, it's all song, but into you know with, with the lyrics and whatnot. I, I definitely just kind of kind of melt and just kind of relax into. My my nostalgia groove for this album, um, and I really like Paul Simon's voice on this entire album, and in this song, it just starts off really good. You know, his voice is soothing, but you know, it's also there's 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 a lot of fun in the way he sings. Um, also there's just a lot of fun and uniqueness in the song itself. It's got it's Mm. what, and I'm gonna mention probably this word probably a little too often. There's like a yeah, unique but quirkiness. To, to this mm-hmm. to this song and like but in a really good way like there is quirkiness like it's mm-hmm. just it's just something that um, you get stuff that you don't normally get you know yeah. with, with some of the instrumentation immediately with this song I mean, accordion like who's use an accordion in like a pop song right I mean seriously but then also obviously you know some of like the African drums that you're going to get later and th- later on in the album and stuff like that they are mixing a lot of the unique styles that most people aren't getting into mainstream pop. Uh, and so I think it, it's just kind of different. It's kind of but it also it's also kind of fun. And, and, and he mm-hmm. has a very happy feel uh, to this song as well. And, and it just it makes me smile. I love this song. It's a great you're right. It's a great song. It's 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 up there for me. I don't know if I'd call it top two, but it's definitely up there for me. It um, mm-hmm. Hit number 86 on the Hot 100. And it actually had a music video. Uh, I yeah. I watched it. It kind of ha- it looked very green screeny, kind of old, st- almost stop motion style. It's it's yeah. it's meh. It's okay. It looks like somebody wanted to be like Sledgehammer the the that <laughs> one, yeah. but it
0: wasn't quite there. Yeah. So,
1: but the song itself, uh,
0: fantastic. The version, the live version, I remember mostly. of This is I actually remember seeing it on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Um, some yeah. rerun of Saturday Night Live or something like that, where he played this, and it sounded so good live that I knew like oh this that's why this song is so good mm-hmm.
1: yeah I, I do remember seeing uh like you know because snl they do two songs and he did this one and i can't remember what the other one was maybe it's under african skies i can't remember it's, uh
0: well i know i know for a fact they did uh diamonds on the Souls of Her oh. shoes but i can't remember if that was the one because paul simon's been on saturday Night Live yeah. so many times <laughs> yeah that it's entirely possible he was on there twice for the same album
1: yeah very likely you know i do remember that skit there's a uh an old SNL skit where they like have all the people who have been there like over 10 times or whatever. Yeah. And you know, you get like Alec Baldwin and uh,
0: Steve Martin and then Paul Simon is also in that mix. And he was there yeah. too. And it was just like,
1: Oh, huh. That's kind of funny.
0: One of my favorite ones, bits of his when he was on there was he's, he's standing in line with someone and he's playing Paul Simon and all these people are like telling him, um, oh, I remember I saw you like ten years ago in this, and he's like, "Oh yeah, you were in the third row. You were wearing this hat. You were." In... <laughs> and then Art Garfunkel comes up and he's like, "I'm sorry, who are you?" He's like, "Art Garfunkel. Like we did like so many studios. He's Like mm. no, I don't have any recollection of you." Funny. It was stupid but funny. Yeah. Uh, okay. Are uh, you ready to move on to the next one? Yeah. I mean, oof, I, God damn, this awesome. This album is so
1: awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm just amped. You know. Yeah. This was just one of my most favorite nostalgic ones. So doing this review is getting me excited.
0: (laughs) All right, let's move on to the title track of the album called Graceland.
2: The Mississippi Delta was shining like a national guitar. I am following the river down the highway through the cradle of the Civil War. I'm going to Graceland, Graceland. Memphis, Tennessee, I'm going to Graceland Poor boys and pilgrims with families, and we are going to Graceland My traveling companion is nine years old, he's the child
0: Uh, okay, so there's a lot of interesting things about this song. Uh, this is the one that the Everly Brothers uh, did some vocals on. Uh, he, when he was talking about it in the uh, in the documentary, he kind of the whole thing about going to great. I'm going to Graceland um, was not going to be. It was basically a placeholder lyric. Like he mm-hmm. liked the the melody that he created, and it, it, originally he was like, "Well, that'll never that you know that'll that will never stay." So he kind of started to write around it, and then Graceland kept popping up. And he said he did something he had never done, which is he repeated the words from the chorus in some of the verses. And he finally was like, well, I guess I'm singing about it. I might as well go. So he had never actually been to Graceland until he started to write the song <laughs> uh-huh. and then took a road trip down there. And apparently uh, he kind of he's given thoughts about sort of like, like the uh, like his marriage, which was falling apart at the time, which apparently was to Carrie Fisher. Oh, okay. Huh. I didn't know he was married to Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Um. So that she says that that song in part was kind of based around their relationship. Okay. Um. But this is such a it's you know for such a simple isk song it's so good. Mhm. It is. I know. I.
1: I... I even dare say the word great. I, lo- <laughs> I love this song. You know, it's got these little stories in there um, about different people and kind of different little things. Yeah. But it, it definitely retains that same feel of happy, of fun. It's got good mo- movement to it, you know, a good pace. Uh, but it still has like a gentle feel to it. You know, I think it's partly his yeah. vocals. And and just, you know, there, there's a sweetness to the song. Um, and this is definitely one of my favorites on the album. It's just... Uh, it, it definitely, it gets me. This, this whole album just gets me good. You know, it makes yeah. me happy. It makes me. I, and it's this is definitely one of those songs. If I feel like shit, I will put on this album, or I'll even just put on this song and just be like, okay, you know what? This, this isn't like making me feel emotional or anything. This is just
0: this is just putting a smile on my face. Graceland it, just puts a damn smile on my face. The it references a lot of things that were real, like. Um, he he mentioned that the 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 lyric about uh, there's a woman in New York City who calls herself the Human Trampoline. Mm-hmm. He he got that line from when he was walking past the the like the the Natural History Museum or uh. or some some sort of history museum that is in New York City. And then for the longest time, I never understood what he meant when he was talking about um, like shining like a national guitar. Yeah, like what the hell's the na- national is a brand. Oh, I didn't know that. I never never put that together either. I didn't either, so. Yeah, I don't I mean it's it's this is going to be one of those weird ones where like I'm not going to have too much to say because I'm just going to end up gushing for such a long yeah. time about how good these songs are.
1: Yeah, th- this might not be, you know, our best breakdown of an album. Right. But you're going to get the excitement from us.
0: <laughs> that's uh, that's definitely for sure. Yeah uh okay well let's go ahead and move on to the next one which is called i know what i know
2: she looked me over and i guess she thought i was all right all right in the sort of a limited way for an off night she said don't i know you from the cinematographer's party i said well, who am i to blow against the wind i know what i know.
0: I I don't know if this will surprise you or not, but for the longest time I could point to this song as my favorite one on the entire album. That doesn't terribly surprise me. I mean this is this is a good one. I mean it's so unique among other things.
1: Yeah that I', I that's exactly what I put I said it's got a I, I kind of used quirkiness again but that's not right but it really it has a, a more eclectic sound from what I'm normally
0: used to and I really like that about it. Um so this the 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 instrumental or the instrument parts and the background vocals was done by a group called uh, General MD Sharinda and the Gaza Sisters okay. uh, which was a South African band that mixed um traditional shanga or shanga I'm not really sure how to pronounce it um vocal styling which was sort of a um a, a male female call and response style mm. of singing with sort of like pop rhythms and 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 disco it was kind of it was kind of their you know amalgamation of those two cultures down there um and so that what you're what you're hearing is he took that song that they were singing in the record when they were recording them and put his own lyrics on top of it okay so i mean as we mentioned at the top he did for almost all of these songs um he wrote a lot of these songs afterwards after he'd just gone down and kind of jammed with them and recorded with them and we and i mean he kind of guided the jam sessions Mm -hmm. but But a lot of the stuff was kind of created on the spot by the musicians there Uh, well i'm glad that they're getting credit now at least you know yeah um
1: uh, yeah i really like how that works you know him him and his vocals you know singing english on english on top and then they're kind of i'm not sure what the language is that they're singing behind you know back behind him but you know, you're not sure what they're saying, but like it, it works well. And like, it, even, it doesn't, what it doesn't harmonize, but it all, it all works so well together. Um, even though you don't know and they're and they're they're not kind of singing the same lyrics. Um, mm-hmm. It just, it's got a really good flow to it. It's got, it's got a unique sound as we've, as you've already said. Um, I, I have a distinct, maybe not a specific one memory, but I absolutely remember at least one of the times, hell, if not every time. Where we've listened to this album and this song comes on, and they do the though I know what I know, I say what I say, and then it goes uh, whoop 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 whoop. Yep. Me and my sister would always just do like the whoop whoop together and just do that. <laughs> but that's like one of our favorite parts to sing. So.
0: Uh, that's I mean that is such a, a I, I think just the the unique sound of it is what makes this song so great in yeah. my in my mind. You get a really cool clean very busy Mm -hmm. um uh guitar yeah it's kind of like kind of it's like like, it's almost soloing on top of the entire thing mm -hmm. while he's singing over it and then the really cool unique uh uh african voices you get from the ladies there Mm -hmm. with everything else just it makes it such a fun song and that's not the first time, and not the last time I'm going to use the term "fun song." Yeah,
1: that's that's fine. I mean, there was a whole bunch of them. It's not going to be the last time I'm going to say "happy" or <laughs> "unique" or "quirky." Like, there's so many of those songs that just give me all give me that stuff, and it's consistent. Uh, but there's also yeah, you un- interesting stuff to each each and every one of these
0: songs. Uh, okay, well let's m- go ahead and move on to the next song, which is called "Gum Boots."
2: It was in the early morning hours when I fell into a phone call. Believing I had supernatural powers, I slammed into a brick wall. I said, hey, is this my problem? Is this my fault? If that's the way it's going to be, I want to call the whole thing to a halt. You You don't feel you could love me, but I feel you. You don't feel you could love me, but I feel you. You don't feel you. But I feel you
0: So this song is actually another one where he actually heard the song and kind of put his own lyrics. So this originally comes from a group called the Boyoyo Boys, okay, from South Africa and which is essentially it's the the song Gum Boots was kind of one of their own songs. And he was like, I want to take it and change it a little bit and put my stuff on top of it. And they kind of agreed to that. Mm -hmm. So uh, what you're hearing in the background is largely a song that was already put together that had no words on it. Oh, okay. And he was like, I'm going to put some lyrics to this uh, and created what essentially became the song Gumboots that we know from Paul Simon. Okay. Okay. I find this one to be a very interesting song. He, he tells a really interesting story. Yeah, interesting is definitely the word that I put. It's actually one of my first
1: notes. I, this To me, this one is an interesting little kind of filler song. I almost mm-hmm. kind of treat it as like an interlude. You know, it's it's not. It's its own song. It's, you know, two minutes and 40-something seconds. Um, so it's a full-length full song, but... You know, I never really just go and listen to Gumboots on my own. Mm-hmm. Like this is definitely one that I listen to, obviously on the album because I I'll, I go through all the way through, and I really feel like it helps provide a good flow for this album. I think this album's yeah. got great flow, and this one as a kind of little just a filler slash interlude style song,
0: I think it works perfect. I would totally agree with that. It's a fun little in between song. It gets mm-hmm. you from you know one sort of not bigger hit, but it gets you from one song to the next. Um yeah, you know, Paul Simon does a really good job of wordsmithing Mhm. You know, creating really interesting lyrics that draw you into what he's doing. You know, you get you get so many things that maybe sound strange, but you're like, god, that's so interesting. It draws mm-hmm. me in. Yeah. And I I think Gumboots is is, is a it's a good uh, kind of in between. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh okay, so let's move on to the next one which uh was co-written with Joseph Shambalala. I hope I didn't say it right. Who is the uh, the leader of Ladysmith Black Mambazu? And that is Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes.
2: She was physically forgotten, but then she slipped into my pocket with my car keys. She said, you've taken me for granted because I please you. Wearing these diamonds. And I could say, "Ooh."
0: Adam, it might surprise you to know that this song almost didn't make the album. That does surprise me because uh, this might be my favorite from the album. But there's a very good reason why it almost didn't make the album, and I'll tell you why. So the album itself came out in August of 1986, I believe I said. Mm -hmm. And originally it was supposed to come out in the spring. And so in preparation for that, uh, they had booked a performance on Saturday Night Live. Uh, and so Paul Simon had already planned on Blady, Ladysmith Black Mombazu coming out. He flew them out. Um, they were probably going to do you know, Homeless as one of his, his two ones. Mm-hmm. And so then they pushed back the release of the album, but he already had them there. And so he said, well, let's write another song. So he had this little thing that he had been working on and gave it to uh, Joseph Shambalala what eventually came out of it was diamonds on the soles of her shoes oh. and so they performed this song on saturday night live two or three months before the album was even going to come out like literally they wrote it and then they're like oh we're just going to perform it on saturday night live huh That's... and the other interesting <laughs> thing this was this is the first time that that ladies with black had ever performed a song with a band they had only ever done acapella up to that yeah. point and so this this was the first time that they had joined with a band to perform something like this.
1: Okay, very cool. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty interesting story. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that this wasn't one that you know was kind of planned for and was just kind of hey, I'm I'm so happy that it got on there because this yeah. is this is definitely one of my top,
0: if not my top. It's such a great song. I love how it starts out with just just you know, Lady Smith Black Mombazo, basically just doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just giving us some really good. Interesting acapella harmonies, and not in not in sort of the the acapella you know way that we think of it's mm-hmm. it's their own traditions. Um, I think it's more. Of, I believe they're sort of more of the Zulu traditions. Okay. Um, in the in sort of like the male vocal, which I think is something uh, that was indicative of that culture. If I'm remembering the uh, documentary correctly. Yeah. It's such a deep song for some reason. I don't know. I always kind of get drawn into it, but it's it's. Fun in the the way that everything when it comes in, you get this fun little sort of. I'm jumping way ahead because for some reason I'm jumping to the towards the end of the song when you get this cool little like saxophone. And you get these two two for some reason perfectly placed uh, acoustic guitar strums because you don't hear them at any other point. When you get the and there's just those are the only yeah, two times yeah, right. you hear it when you when the strumming, but it is placed perfectly and it works mm-hmm. so well with it um it's a longer song because mostly because of the intro but it's mm-hmm. almost six minutes but it doesn't feel like it because everything moves from one thing into another very seamlessly and works so well especially with the uh, lady smith black bombaza providing these awesome uh background vocals yeah. to what paul simon is doing and, and a lot of
1: the times I'm not usually a big fan of like, you know, like the, the non, the non word stuff, you know, like the na, 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 <laughs> like that, like that stuff. But here it really works. And probably it works because I honestly, I just don't know what Lady Smith Black Mambazo is singing. And so right. like, I, I've kind of already into that feel of just like, I'm just kind of singing along with them and just kind of hoping that I'm kind of close to what they're saying anyway. So when they do things like the, the, Na na na, na na na. Like I, I want, I sing with them, and it just gets yeah. me. It gets me into it. You know, the the use of the African drums is all really, really good in this song. Obviously, mm-hmm. their vocals is perfect. It's poppy. It's got a great bass line that's kind of moving the stuff too with this song. Um, yeah, e- everything melds so well together. You know, you most people may not think that you know African vocals and African s- sound drums and and other stuff might fit with. Uh, saxophone, or you know, other stuff in this album. I don't think there's not accordion in this particular song, but with some of the right. other stuff, there is just a such a unique melding of different cultures, and, and in this song, it is very evident
0: um, mm. that it just oh god, it gets me good. <laughs> I would recommend uh, anyone go check out that uh, Saturday Night Live performance of Diamonds on the Souls of Shoes. First of all, Lady Smith Blazo always has like sort of choreograph movements, and mm-hmm. they do that when they're recording. So even when they're recording just the audio, they always have the movements and they always do it. I um, mean, that's just the way their group goes. Uh, there was a little bit of a story with, with uh, uh, Joseph, the leader, and one of the other um, longtime members of that band talking about when they went to record this, um, and it was either this one or Homeless, and I can't remember what we'll talk about. I'm just going to talk about it here because I'm thinking about it. And I think it was, I think it was this one. They spent a whole day on just this song, or on one of those two songs, and they weren't getting it. And they, were, Lady Smith Blacksmith Vaza, was so dejected because they were used to going to the studio and recording twelve songs in one day, <laughs> uh-huh. and here they couldn't get one done. And so they went back to their hotel, had dinner, and then re- re- then rehearsed till like midnight to get it right, and then came back in the next day and got it in two takes nice they were so they were they said they were kind of like embarrassed because like they didn't, they didn't they never failed at anything and truth be told i'm sure paul simon didn't see it as a failure was, okay you know we're a little off today mm-hmm. we'll come back tomorrow We re- regroup they saw it as they should have had it you know right the first time and so they went back and and got themselves together yeah uh that uh
1: there was a music video for this one mm-hmm. it um it uh it pretty much is Paul Simon with a guitar in front of the Ladysmith Black Mambazo behind mm-hmm. him in the dance. And they're kind of just doing probably, probably similar to how they did on SNL, just kind of doing their own dancing and whatnot and him yeah. just kind of being in front with the guitar. Uh, but yeah. it works. It just really
0: freaking works. Uh, okay. Let's go ahead and move on because we can just gush about the song all we want. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the next one, which was probably the yeah. most popular song. It was the highest charting. Highest it was the charting. highest charting for yeah. sure. Uh, uh called You Can Call Me Al.
2: A man walks down the street, he says, Why am I soft in the middle now? Why am I soft in the middle? The rest of my life is so hard. I need a photo opportunity. I want a shot of redemption. Don't want to end up a cartoon in a cartoon graveyard. Bone digger, bone digger, dogs in the moonlight. Far away, my well-lit door. Mr. Beer Melly, Beer Melly, get these mutts away from me. I don't find this stuff amusing anymore. If you will be my bodyguard, I can be your long-lost pal. I can call you Betty. Betty, when you call me, you can call me out. A man walks down the street, he says, why am I short of attention?
0: A- uh, okay, so... There was actually a long time where I actually didn't like this song. Not that I thought it was bad, but I was kind of sick of it, it was overplayed. <laughs> uh, it got played the album got played a lot or not the album, sorry, the music video got played a lot on MTV um yeah. throughout for like even throughout the 90s. If people if people know one like Paul Simon music video, video, it's this one. Yes, which is essentially just him and Chevy Chase. Yeah. Um on a stage, which is actually the SNL stage. Oh, okay. Because uh, I think Lauren Michaels uh, actually produced the video, I huh. think. Well, I mean, you can't tell. It was pretty much like a, a white background. Yeah,
1: it was mo- yeah. So, but that, that would make sense. I mean, they're just being silly. They have different instruments around them, and
0: they're just kind of like doing the song and and playing fake instruments. Like yeah. that's it. and it's it's mostly Chevy Chase mouthing the vocals, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I didn't watch it because I knew in my head I was like, I already know what it looks well, like. Yeah, me too. Honestly, I didn't watch it because I was like, oh, it's the Chevy Chase one. I don't need to rewatch that one. So a couple interesting things about uh, this song. Uh, the, the whole thing about uh, You Can Call Me Al and I Can All Call You Betty actually stemmed from a real experience. Uh, Paul Simon was at a party, uh, and I can't remember where. I think it was in London and uh there was a very well i say famous but you'll probably never have heard of him he's famous he, uh, he's only famous i knew who he was only because i've studied classical music mm-hmm. um and uh there was a, a famous uh, composer conductor named pierre boulez who's basically known for making some really weird sounding music <laughs> that's the best way i can put it um and he was met him at a party and at the end of the day at the end of the party he accidentally called paul simon al and his wife betty <laughs> and his okay. wife's name at the time was peggy okay like um so that all stemmed from an actual real thing
1: what i this song
0: yeah definitely it, it uh, definitely
1: is the most well-known uh, hit number 23 on his, on the hot 100 um, it's poppy. It's got a simple catchiness to it. Great bass with this song. Mm-hmm. Um, the lyrics, man, the lyrics are quirky. You know, I've yeah. used that word a couple. Of, but like for this one, yeah, uh, y- yeah, you the, you can all call me out. Like you know, if you'll be my bodyguard, I will be your long lost pal. Uh, you know, just random stuff. Most of it doesn't make any sense
0: to me. What he's saying. But it's fun, and I'm still
1: just like, okay,
0: yeah, Yeah. I am, I am with you here, Paul Simon. I found that sometimes, like the weirder the lyrics, the more I get into it. (laughs) Yeah, which is probably why I got into Nirvana because most of their songs make absolutely no sense whatsoever (laughs) if you actually read their lyrics. Uh One thing I do want to talk about is uh, this has one of probably the more famous bass solos. Oh yeah, on this, which is actually an interesting thing because the solo itself is a partially uh, an editing trick.
1: I could tell at the end, you know when you when you really listen to the end
0: like it's almost like slow down or something that they do to it. here's what it is. uh it's only the first so it's basically if you count it in four beats, the first half of it was played by the bass player. the second half is exactly what he played in reverse. Oh, okay. So it's it's literally the bass player played this little lick, and then they went in and took that lick and put it in reverse, and that's the this the bass huh. lick is, is 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 it's a whole it's a palindrome. Uh huh. Is he plays it? He plays the part, and then they play it back in reverse, and that's the bass solo.
1: Okay. Then yeah, that that's probably why, you know, if, if he played it, if he played it normal, like you know all those notes, it probably mm-hmm. wouldn't sound the same as playing it backwards.
0: Yes, if that's, yeah, yeah. It, it would. It would. You would get a slightly different sound if, it, yeah. if he actually okay. was playing it backwards, reverse, as opposed to when they just reversed the recording. Yeah. The other thing, talking about bass, because I'm I'm a, I'm a bass player. Bass is kind of like my second love. I played it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't played it as much lately, and I, I I really miss playing it. But I played it a lot in college. In fact, that's, I made more money playing bass in college <laughs> yeah. than I did playing drums because everyone needed a bass player. What also gives this, you know, an, an In addition to the bass sort of giving this album its feel, it's the type of bass that's used mostly, which is a fretless bass, which gives you this really unique sound. Um, I mean, if you think of the sound of of an upright bass without Mm -hmm. the frets, that kind of smooth glide from one note to the it, if you take an electric bass and take out the frets, you sort of get that, but with a a different tone. You get that Mm -hmm. electric bass tone with no fret sound when you're moving up and down the fretboard. And so it just gives you a slightly different tone, which is how all of those sort of mmm, mmm sounds, mm-hmm. like sort of weird bending sounds, That's a, a lot of that is a fretless bass just kind of moving up the fretboard. Hmm. So the fact that it was a largely fretless bass on most of these songs, it's not. I don't think it's on all of them, but on a lot of them, um, also is what attributes to the unique sound hmm. of this album. Very cool. Uh, okay. Let's go ahead and move on to the next one, which is Under African Skies.
2: Joseph's face was black as night, the pale yellow moon shone in his eyes. His path was marked by the stars in the southern hemisphere, and he walked his days under Africa's skies. This is the story of how we begin to remember, this is the powerful pulsing of love in the vein. After the dream of falling and calling your name out, these are the roots of rhythm and the roots of rhythm remain.
0: All right, so this is a very sweet song. It tells a very sort of sweet story. This is the one that Linda Ronstadt did vocals on, which was actually uh, a little bit of added to the controversy because Linda Ronstadt was kind of uh, blackballed from uh, the UN for going down and performing in South Africa uh, hmm. when she wasn't supposed to. So she was sort of on that list of people who, um, I guess, South Africa or the UN or somebody was upset about. Because I read that there was a, a big to-do about the fact that she was on the album as well. I honestly had no idea Linda
1: Ronstadt had any kind of controversial stuff with her. I just don't I think of her like that. <laughs> I know.
0: You don't think of Ron, Ronstadt yeah. that way.
1: But I will say, listening to this album and her you know, singing uh, behind Paul Simon on this one, it really it makes me realize,
0: She's got a gorgeous voice. Oh, she does. Yeah. She totally does.
1: And I, I want to go back and listen to some of her albums because our mom was a big Linda Ronstadt fan. She had multiple of her albums, I believe. Yes. But I, I, you know, I didn't really, I didn't really pay attention to those as much, and so now I kind of want to go back and listen and be like, uh, I think I'd respect her stuff a lot better because, yeah, I mean, her voice is fantastic, and I know some of her songs are great. I mean, I, I know some of them are good, and I, I, I would remember some, but. Um, just overall, I, I think I think her vocals add quite a bit. Again, a different sound. This that's what kind of make makes under African skies. Um, just just have a little uniqueness to it from some of the other albums. Mm-hmm. It does have a lot of other the similar aspects. You know, there's a happy feel I'm getting. It's very poppy. You get like that different instrument instrumentation. You know, the normal pop, but similar enough to the rest of the stuff on the album. Um, but I think her harmonizing adds a nice depth that makes this song stand out from the others and it, it is another one that i would kind of put in my top
0: three four of this album for sure yeah um a very i cannot remember i was trying to look up her name i cannot remember but when he toured this album he actually employed a very famous south african uh singer to do this part with him who is actually in exile she had been exiled by mm. the government, and so she was living. I think in the U.S., if not in the U.S., then maybe in England to do it. So when when he toured and went around, he actually was using uh, her instead of uh, instead of Linda Ronstadt. Mm. But it's a really nice song. I like it. It's another to me. It's another one that I. I mean, I obviously, I don't sp- skip any songs on this album because they're all good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not. It's not one of my favorite ones on there. Oh, album. Okay. It is for me. Interesting. Okay. Let's head on to the next song, which is called Homeless. Homeless,
2: homeless, 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 homeless. sleeping on a midnight lake. Homeless, homeless, moonlight sleeping on a midnight lake. Somebody say, <coughs> somebody say, <coughs> hello, 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 somebody say, <coughs> Somebody cry, why, 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 why? Somebody sing. Somebody sing. Hello, hello, hello. Somebody sing. Somebody cry, why, 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 why? Somebody
0: sing. your All right, so this song is, is very interesting. Basically, uh, Paul Simon sent Lady blast mo- um that's, they. I don't know why they have to have such a long, name. <laughs> a long name. <laughs> if we just um, want to call
1: him Lady Smith, we can call him Lady okay, Smith. We just call him Lady Smith.
0: Uh, they sent Lady Smith. He sent Lady Smith a tape of him uh, singing a couple of of. Uh, basically, he was just singing the the title part of, uh, "Homeless, Homeless, Moonlight, sh- Something on a Moonlight Lake" or something mm-hmm. like that, or "Midnight Lake." I forget what the exact words are. Uh, it was just him singing and playing piano a little bit, and so basically, uh joseph the the leader took the song took what he wrote and then sort of added his own spin and essentially what they did is they actually took a traditional Zulu melody a wedding tune mm-hmm. and then they added their own new Zulu words on top of it hmm. or changed the words around which is not an unusual thing to do it happens all the time um I mean if you think about the think about how many think about the song and I just use this one because it's very very basic I mean but think about the song um twinkle twinkle little star mm-hmm how many songs use that melody? A ton of them. We yeah. sing we sing our ABC song bum, to that. Bum, 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 it's the yeah. same song. Baba uh, uh, ba Black Sheep. It's the oh, same yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. So putting using new words on existing melodies is not a new thing, and has actually been done for probably a millennia. Mm-hmm. Um, and it happens. It happened a lot with uh, old, even up to like old Renaissance, you know, songwriters who, who were writing all of these. Uh, you know very like troubadour songs they would just take existing melodies and put new words to them Mm -hmm. that in itself is not a new thing and people people get uppity about stuff like that but that's been happening since the beginning of music people (laughs) like the melody like well i can put my own words to that Mm -hmm. and then simon uh added his own english words on there i really do enjoy the song i think this song is one of the this is this song kind of puts me in like a zen position
1: yeah, it is. It's beautiful. You're right. Absolutely. Very good for, for like a Zen just kind of. It's also, you know, because there is a, the, the Zulu language in there that we we don't know what we're saying. But mm-hmm. I want to sing along with it because it's pretty. Um, they do such a good job harmonizing together, working together like the the Ladysmith group. Man, they're awesome. Um, mm-hmm. I think I have an album, one of their albums, and it's it's, you know, I haven't listened to it in a long time, but I probably need to. Um, I like the, you know, I like the the use of the African vocal chants that they kind of start this one off with, you yeah. know, it's different stuff. Um, it works, it just works really nice. I, 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 this is another one I sing along to, very similar to, that uh, was, was the Diamonds of the Soles or Shoes or other mm-hmm. stuff, you know, the everybody, everybody say, e, <laughs> e, everybody say, why, why, why? You just, you have to sing with it. It works so well. Normally, this isn't one that I would like pick out, like I will go and listen to, Graceland every now and then, or you can call me mm-hmm. Al every now and then. I don't typically pick out homeless, uh, but I should probably. You know, it is a good, it's a good mellow zone out. Yeah,
0: it's. It, I agree with you. It's not one that you go to pick out, but it's one of the ones that when it comes on, mm-hmm. you're happy that it's on. You're like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm so glad I'm listening to this song right now. Absolutely, great way to put it. All right, and so let's move on to the next one, which is called Crazy Love, Volume Two.
2: Charlie the Archangel sloped into the moon He said, I have no opinion about this And I have no opinion about that Sad as a lonely little wrinkled balloon He said, well, I don't claim to be happy about this, boys And I don't seem to be happy about that
0: Um, I didn't bother to look up if there was a Crazy Love Volume (laughs) 1. I have no idea either. I have no idea. Um, but this is, it's, this is a great song. It's, to me, it's, and it's not necessarily a filler song, but it's definitely one, um, like you said with Homeless, it's not one I seek out, but I enjoy it while it's playing.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm with you. There's a lot of similar sounds I'm getting from Crazy Love from some of the, from Mm. some of the other songs. Um, And mostly it's like, uh, the, uh, the more popular stuff like the uh, you can call me out I mean it's not as uh, it's not as poppy as you can call me out or, right. or Graceland or ones like that but it still has like a similar feel to it yeah um, it's got a nice use of flutes I think that's in there uh, the guitar is really works really well um, I'm definitely a fan of this song it's a good one but it's not as high as some of the others mm-hmm. um, is it's you know maybe a little bit more on like the filler side but it is immensely listenable.
0: All right, so we've spent a lot of time um, kind of with the the African musicians, uh, you know, getting some of that South African feel from these different bands and these different influences. We get a little bit of of sort of American in New York with Graceland, and now we're coming back to America, and we're going down, down to Louisiana for some Zydeco with the next song called That Was Your Mother.
2: A long time ago State to state while well, I'm standing on a corner of Lafayette state of Louisiana, wondering where a city bar could go. to go. Get a little conversation, drinking little red wine, catching in a bit of those Cajun girls dancing inside a phone.
0: Um, this is one of the two songs where another band was playing and he basically took another song and didn't credit them for that uh. Uh, this is the the zydeco band uh, good rock and doopsy and the twisters basically he took a song from there and although that is them playing uh-huh. so he basically booked them for a studio session and say hey i like this song can we can we use it and i think the uh the understanding was like okay well we're just gonna he's just gonna take it and then put as long as you know his lyrics on it and then we'll get credit for it and then it came out and they didn't get credit for it. Basically mm. it's a song called My Baby She's Gone which if you listen to it it sounds a lot like that just with no lyrics on it. It's just a kind of a Zydeco dance song. Okay. He the the band though didn't really do anything. They kind of they just thought mm. of okay, we got some exposure from it. So they didn't really complain too much about it. Okay. Cuz they got exposure through the fact that they were really like, "Hey, we you know, Paul Simon kind of used one of our songs, and so to them, they they really didn't. Nothing really came of that.
1: Okay, yeah, because I don't see them being credited at least on the Wikipedia Wikipedia page.
0: Uh, so yeah, I guess they haven't. Yeah, you know, they, they were tried to push for it. Yeah, they weren't they weren't credited for for writing at all. Okay, I love this song. It is a grooving song and Mm -hmm. i I think as i've grown older other traditional styles such as zydeco and stuff like that are are something that have come more into my periphery than it would have Mm -hmm. when i was a teenager and so i probably like this song now more than i would have when i was younger but there's something fun about it Uh, there's not something fun it is fun it's (laughs) it's a danceable song you know it's meant to be a zydeco dance tune
1: yeah. it's very zydeco, very classic y kind of sounded sounded Zydeco with just a little little Paul Simon twist. Yeah. You know? Um and you know, Paul Simon does doesn't have like huge, huge wild twists. He's got a nice he's got a <laughs> nice Paul Simon twist. Yeah. Uh yeah, I like this song. It's definitely not one of my favorites on the album. It's it's you know, if I had to rank it's it'd be on the lower end, but it is still good. It's still fun. You're right, it it gets me moving. It gets me kinda like toe, it's a toe tapping zydeco yeah. song for sure.
0: Oh yeah. It, totally what it's meant to be. A nice little toe tapping mm-hmm. song. Uh, all right, well, now we're already to the last song on the album, which is called All Around the World, or The Myth of Fingerprints.
2: Over the mountain, down in the valley, lives a former talk show host. Everybody knows his name. He said there's no doubt about it. It was a myth of fingerprints. I've seen them all, and man, they're all the same. Well, the sun gets weary and the sun goes down ever since the watermelon. And the lights come up on the black pit town. Now somebody says, what's a better thing to do? Well, it's not just me and it's not just you. This is all around the world. The-
0: uh, this is kind of the unfortunate one I didn't want to have to talk about. So um, this song was basically co-written by the band Los Lobos uh, ooh, of, okay. of, of, um, of uh, La Bamba fame. Yeah. Who did the soundtrack to the La Bamba. So basically he booked them and they were playing around in the studio and they had a song that they were writing themselves. And the guitarist started playing the lick from it and Simon liked it. So they basically played the song for him. And the understanding was, was that it was going to be a shared song. Uh-huh. Shared, like they came up with these things. Paul Simon came up with the lyrics. Okay, we'll do it. And then the album came out. And the, again, they didn't receive credit. Ooh. They were pissed. Yeah, fair mm-hmm. enough. little is a, you know, they're a solid name. Like, and, uh, yes. And in mid, the, yeah. the mid 80s, they were kind of at the height of their popularity. Mm-hmm. So they were not happy about that at all. And I don't know if this is true or not. Essentially, from what from what one of the band members said, I think it's the it's one of the saxophone players. They basically complained, and either Paul Simon or his reputa- representation said, "Sue me, see what happens." Ooh, ouch. So it's it's a it's it puts a little bit of a dark taint on what is essentially just about a perfect album. Yeah. Um, and it's it's one of those things you hate to find out that the the thing you love has some something not kosher with it. Mm-hmm. I will say this is not one of my more favorite songs on the album. This one's sort of like right down the middle of the road. Um, For some reason, the opening bothers me with like the really sort of synthy sounding drums. Mm, Okay. Um, I don't know what about it. But when it gets into the song, um, I I still love it. I mean, yeah, the song, it uses, uh, it kind of brings back that accordion. Granted, we
1: heard the accordion in the song before this, the Zydeco one. Of course, you're going to get some accordion in that. Uh, we, We also started the entire album off of some accordion. Um, in the boy in the Bubble and so you kind of get that it ends you know with some accordion, not you know in this song as well I really like this song actually I mm. think that this song might be one of the most underrated on the album because um, I just okay. I think it's I think it's fun I think it moves well it it ends me on a very happy note now granted I've been on a happy note this entire time <laughs> yeah. and now I do feel a little tainted about that happy note but uh, you know in my heart I'm always gonna credit Los Lobos then anytime I do this I'll, I'll think of them. Uh, when I listen to this album and with, particularly that song because I, I like it. It's It's got weird lyrics again, man. Yeah, <laughs> just, it does. <laughs> and I like it. It's it's like, you know, part of me, I'm just like listening to to this album and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, Paul Simon? <laughs> but, you know, I'm just doing it with a smile.
0: <laughs> um, the... The one that gets me every time. I don't know if it's the chorus, but he kind of goes, When the sun gets weary and the sun goes down ever since the watermelon. What the hell is the watermelon? <laughs> I, 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 I love that line. I sing that every time. You know, when the sun gets weary and the sun goes down ever since the watermelon. Dude, what, 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 what does it have to do with anything? <laughs> yeah. Might have done a lot of drugs and we didn't know. I'm 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 am I'm not sure we I'm sure we knew. Okay. I, I, I mean <laughs> historically I'm pretty sure it's pretty well known he's done a lot of drugs. Okay. I mean everyone in that time and era did did some drugs. Yeah. All the I drugs. don't I don't know of any that many people who didn't. There's that many <laughs> professional musicians who became famous who didn't do any drugs. I don't mm-hmm. know. I could probably count those people on my hand. Yeah. <laughs> so if he,
1: if he was married to Carrie Fisher then yeah definitely <laughs> yeah. you know what he was doing drugs
0: around this time yeah but it it is a good song it just i i don't know I don't, i'm i trying not to downplay it as yeah. as being so bad because i do enjoy the song like i said yeah. i love this whole album yeah um it's so much fun i I don't, I don't know if i'm just trying to be a little bit more critical of some songs mm-hmm. over others um it's just i no i'll just leave it at that i'll fair leave enough. it at that yeah. yeah fair enough it's good i mean i i i like that we end on an up note mm-hmm. you know um it's a fairly short album. It's only about forty-three minutes. Most of the songs are under four minutes. Mm-hmm. I'd say about half the songs are under four minutes. Um, there's and there's a few that last longer. Uh, diamonds on the shoulders, diamonds on the soles of her shoes is the longest one at almost six minutes. But this is such a it's such a listenable album. Yeah, um, you don't have to do anything from top to bottom. I don't think you need to change anything around. I think everything is exactly in its place where it needs to be. Personally um and i i think this is just about as close to a perfect album as you can get
1: yeah i i wholeheartedly agree with you uh this album makes me feel so happy uh, and the it's it's easily you know the entire album that is just you, you listen from top to bottom and it just works really really well um makes me feel better makes me happy if i need a pick up i go to Graceland and mm-hmm. i you know if, I, if I'm feeling sad, I'm going to Graceland, you know? Not Memphis, Tennessee. I'm going yeah. to the album. And <laughs> I think what works really, really well with the flow of it, because I, I, I'm with you, like, every song is just so listenable. Mm-hmm. And it's got a good flow. I wouldn't rearrange it. And, you know, I like I like to nitpick about some of that, stu- that shit, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with the albums. And I really wouldn't change any of that around here. I really like how you get some of those songs that, you know, have a little bit more of like the poppy, Paul Simony kind of sound to them. But yeah. a lot of the times in between them, you get kind of some eclectic ones too. Some yeah. some ones that just have some different kind of stuff to them, like the Zydeco song, like the Homeless, like stuff like that. That you get so many different styles, but they all come together to make this beautiful blend of a soup kind of whatever the hell you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a melting pot. It's the melting pot album, and it works so fucking well, man.
0: Yeah. I think we we've and maybe in a couple of other albums we've talked about how uh you know sometimes the artist will put some sort of transition or transitional song mm-hmm. in there that doesn't end up working so well. It's sort of like you yeah. could have just left that out. I see what you're trying to do, but you just didn't nail it. He nails everything yeah. on this album. All the all the filler songs from that get us from one song to the next are so listenable to the <laughs> to the point that you just you don't want to turn it off. And at the end of it, I don't know about you. I usually don't ever listen to this album one time through. It's usually <laughs> uh-huh. at least twice.
1: Yeah, I, I don't. I don't disagree. It's one that yeah, you just you can keep on there. I mean, the way you put it, every single song on this album is at worst very good. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you know? And that's just that's just how it works, man. This is this is forever going to be one of my favorite albums. It will be in my top ten probably till I die when it comes to like overall albums.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's funny like picking out like individual songs, I wouldn't say any of these songs would would make like a even a top 20 favorite songs of all time yeah. list. Absolutely. But this album will make a top 5 probably mm-hmm. album list as you said until the end of time. Yeah. At least, you know, at least for us I would say. Yep. Absolutely. All right, that was our review of the Paul Simon album Graceland. Please join us next time for a very special episode as we are joined by friend Corey Stevenson to celebrate LV426 Day by breaking down the movie Aliens and recasting Aliens using actors of today. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at Blast Cast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time.